Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by the obstacles you face? Well, you're not alone. The Resiliency Ninja is here to help. Allison Graham is a speaker, author, and business coach. But most importantly, she's on a mission to give you tools to succeed in times when it feels like life sucks. Now, here's your host, Allison Graham. Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja podcast, where we uncover the stories of stress, obstacles, and adversity behind the success story. I am Allison Graham and love that you are here listening. And I would love to connect with you online. You can reach me through r-ninja.com. And of course, if you love the story that we are going to be sharing today with Alicia Dunhams, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave a review. We'd love that. So welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much, Allison, for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you. And actually, we got connected through our dear friend, Doug Sandler. Yes, we did. I love how serendipity works. It does. And so I have over the years, I think, heard of bestseller in a weekend. Really? I love that. It would just sound so familiar. And it's also one of those things that I know anybody who's written a book, which I've written a few, would love to go bestseller <laughs> in a weekend, right? Or I know there's a lot more to it. But let me just read your official bio before we get into our chit chat, because I think listeners, if they don't know who you are, they are going to be very impressed with what you've achieved. And you know, the whole point of this podcast is to highlight the story behind the success story. And you certainly do have a success story. So here we go. Alicia is an international leadership trainer and communications expert. She has coached tens of thousands of leaders, executives, and industry experts to share their message with the world through her signature process and acclaimed bestseller in a weekend and other professional development trainings. In her new book, I get to how using the right words can radically transform your life, relationships, and business. Dunham's empowers readers and leaders in all ages and stages of their career and life to harness the power of inner intentional communication for transformational results. Wow, that is a big sentence. Okay. Oh, good job. And I'll wrap this up with a lot of her media experience. So she's been featured on Good Morning America, KTLA, and the Steve Harvey Show, which blows my mind because he's so funny and such a fantastic celebrity, he seems. Anyway, but we'll get the inside scoop, maybe. So welcome officially to the show, Alicia Dunham. I love getting started officially. Then we'll then we'll break it down and get real. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, it's funny, eh? Because I was just actually talking before we started our show together, talking to a friend, and she did a podcast several years ago. And she's like, I couldn't get anybody to tell me anything except for a soundbite. And have you noticed that like, we're kind of coming together to this awakening in our lives where it's okay to be vulnerable in public and it's okay to tell the real story behind the story. Do you feel that too? Absolutely. That shift has been happening for a couple of years now. And what is happening is social media has created an opening of the kimono, if you will. (laughs) where it looked all <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, it looked all fine and dandy on the front and people as we see people are unhappy more unhappy, more disconnected and suicide rates are up. I mean we just saw that recently. The two people who are pretty famous committing suicide. And so it's time to get real. It is time to get real and it's it's so funny I just posted something on my Instagram 
And I get compared to people a lot. They'll be like, oh, if you did this, you'd be like Marie Forleo. Or if you did this, you'll be like this X, Y, Z. Or Alicia, don't be this way, be this way. And it's like, that's great and dandy. And I completely honor and love and respect everyone who's creating their own individual hustle, et cetera. And I get to be me. And what that looks like is me on good days, me on bad days and what, how I contribute to the world. So there's no room for comparison. We all have our unique gifts and we get to be vulnerable and we get to share what's going on behind the scenes. Otherwise there's a disconnect because if we see that everyone has it all together and they're posting inspirational quotes and they're made a seven figure week and whatever <laughs> that is going on, it's just not real. You don't see the 15 years behind the scenes that they were hustling to get to that seven figure week or what have you. And, right. and so it's all a process. So I think documenting the process, showing the ups and downs, being vulnerable is important. And when you open your heart, it creates a connection to other people's hearts. And that's very important. So I'm glad we're jumping in. Yeah. You know what? So there are so many things that you just said, like I want to unpack specifically the concept of you could be the next Marie Folio and like love Marie and nobody can be Marie because Marie's already taken <laughs> like Marie's it. Right. Exactly. And we don't need duplication. We need amplification of your actual gifts. And so how do you like not compare yourself? You know, because I think a lot of our listeners are in that stage in their lives. And I know I used to be there where it was like, when I grow up, I want to be the next Marie Folio, Oprah, Mel Robbins, Tony Robbins. And then I realized, well, no, they're taken. But like, have you ever fallen into that trap where you are comparing yourself? Oh, I had a big, I would say a few years in my mid thirties where I was in major comparison mode comparing myself to all the top internet marketers, online brands, and personalities. I've been in business for 17 years, and I've been in the internet marketing, I would say, personal development coaching world for 11 plus years. And there was a time where I'm like, why isn't that me? Why, isn't, why am I not bringing in those numbers? Why don't I have those followers? And I realized that that is a complete waste of time. You get to run your own race. So the only comparison that is available is comparing yourself to yesterday. What have you created? So in terms of staying focused and on your own path is indeed just that. Creating gratitude lists, very important. I have so much to be grateful for. I wouldn't want to change my life with anyone. And so writing a list of what you're grateful for is one of the best things to do in terms of in terms of really loving who you are and seeing your gifts and listening to people like I love I, I had a psychic reading the other day and I do them every couple years and this psychic reading said you change people's lives it's the first thing she said you change people's lives whatever you do I don't know what you do but you change people's lives and I said wow I have had people say that to me in Facebook messages and testimonials and endorsements that I change people's lives. And that's, that's one of my gifts. And I know I do it because I share with people what they can create. I create a container that they can get results, results quickly. And I see a vision and I hold the intention for the vision that they have, that I see them 
speaking on stages, speaking at the United Nations, speaking on TV shows, Today Show, traveling around the world, becoming New York Times bestsellers. I see that vision. I hold that collective vision. And I really the bridge the gap between that. So I operated in a supportive role. I do both. I have my own platform. I have my own book I just launched. I have my own platform. And I'm also a supportive role to other people, to create other leaders. And so I'm very happy with that. I've had a beautiful life and I'm going to continue giving and serving. Another thing you can do is how can I serve today? How can I serve? Ask yourself that question. When you come from a place of service, you stop thinking about yourself. I think depression, now I have, I, I want to be mindful of this because I've been someone who's never been depressed. Oh, wow. Lucky you. Yeah. I mean, I have bad days. I have bad sure. days. You know, I've had definitely had days that I've gone to bed with Ben and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is different than clinical depression, right? Uh, yes, definitely. I wanted to put that note on it as well and not, not make light of it in that way. I have never been clinically depressed. And so I want to be mindful in regards to that. And I also feel that when in doubt, you get to focus out. Focusing mm-hmm. on other people is a beautiful way to get the focus off yourself, thinking about yourself and focusing on how can I add value to the world? How can I serve the world? Love it. And do you feel, cause you are changing people's lives and I know that and I see that. And on the days when you're, maybe facing stress, feeling overwhelmed, you know, obstacles, adversity, et cetera. Is there a disconnect or an intense responsibility that comes with having a mission to change people's lives that some days you're like, oh shit, I have to change somebody's life? Like, how do you reconcile that? You don't look at it that way. That's the after effect. That's the Mm. the result of you doing the work you do in the world. And so something that's really important, and I've been, I'm in a lot of women's circles and I was talking to one of my friends and colleagues and we were talking about being source energy. So, okay, maybe the result is I change people's life. Maybe the result is financial success. Maybe the result is some of the, you know, wonderful experiences uh, that I've been able to have. When you focus on that, when you focus on the end result, when you focus on the after effects, when you focus on money, when you focus on, I got, I got to change people's life. When you focus on that, then you take all the energy off the source energy and you put it on the end results mm. and you can't create that way. So you get to focus on how am I going to serve? How am I going to be sourced today? And what that looks like is how, I, how am I going to touch other people? So it could be just a matter. I was just looking at Instagram live of a beautiful woman that I follow who was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And her just getting on a Facebook Live and crying and being real and being scared and being fearful and going through chemotherapy and radiation and sharing that and saying, be thankful for your family. Be thankful that you can go to the gym. I haven't been in the gym in months. Be thankful I haven't eaten a full meal. I can't give the amount of time because I don't remember what she said. And so just her reflection and being herself in that moment created up an opening for the 800 plus people that were on her Instagram live at that time. And so just being vulnerable, sharing your truth, reaching out to people, connecting. You don't have to have a cape on and save the world. It's being who you are and contributing and sharing your truth. And so that's what we're seeing. And it's very, it's very refreshing, I would say. Right. And then from there, the result, as you say, comes because you're focusing on the right pieces. Now, I know that you are a mom 
Yes. Right. And we had a connection uh, from Canada because you've, I'm based in Canada. You're out of LA, which I think is quite a bit cooler and not temperature wise. I just mean more exciting perhaps than my little London, Ontario. But do you want to dive into that? Because you have a story behind the story here. So you're a mom. I actually lived in Canada. So my daughter's half Canadian and she has Canadian citizenship. And we lived in Collingwood. Oh, I love Collingwood. Okay. Which is like a random little place outside of Toronto and Barrie. And yes, I was married to a Canadian. And it's, you know, an interesting thing. I I said biological father when we were talking and you said, oh, you know, kind of not knowing the story behind it. It's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I was married and it didn't work out. And he is being who he is. And I get to be responsible 100%. So when we were married, we had our daughter and he's like, oh, I want to move. And I want to move to down to Central America. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm not going with you. And it was that type of decision. And eventually him just kind of leaving and just not being involved at all. And what I learned from that is, you know, people reveal who they are within probably the first 10 minutes of meeting someone, they really do. You just got to be open and open yours. I met him when he was backpacking down to Central America four years before that. So, so, (laughs) so shocking that he decided that that was his path. Yeah. So, so you got to let people be who they are. Just makes life easier. And so, yes, he didn't take responsibility. Yes. He didn't give, you know, child support. Yes, I raised my daughter on my own. Yes, there's a sense of feeling of loss and what if. And there's a part to process, to be sad, to be angry. Again, all of those emotions, honoring all of those emotions. And also saying, okay, well, how was I responsible for creating this? And not that I'm responsible for someone leaving or any type of someone who who is in a victim situation, you know, feeling a victim. But I say we are 100%, and I'll say and, and we are 100% responsible of how we look at things, our perspective. So in this particular case, well, I fell in love with a man who was wanderlust. I fell in love with a man who was not, who, who definitely had a lack of sense of um, responsibility, Peter Pan syndrome, what have you. And the way our life was going was not working for him. And I'm responsible, and I'm responsible how I look, look at it. And I, it's like, I honor him. I honor, I'm thank, thank goodness I met him because I have my, my beautiful daughter. And the way we talk about it now is he's not capable for that particular role. And that's pretty much it. And yes, the up and downs of emotions and days that my daughter is kind of down because feeling left or this abandonment. And we speak into that. And there's times to feel sad and times to see, well, is the sadness going to bring me forward or can that be part of my story? And I think that's, she's a teenager. So this is still in process. And I, I want to be compassionate and I strive to be compassionate with her. And I also want to empower her as well. So, you know, it's probably difficult to be my daughter. I mean, I feel for her, you know, I feel I'm a great mom. She says I'm a great mom and I'm someone who's, you know, oh, constantly moving forward. And so I do want to understand there's time to process, there's time to grieve and there's time to get up take your grief and say, how can this propel me forward? Right, exactly. And it, like, I love, like, from a resiliency perspective, something you just said is you have to, at some point, speak into it, like Mm -hmm. acknowledge it, feel it, 
be it. And then, as you say, use it to propel you forward. I I think that that is a great lesson. One of the things I I do a lot of talking on resiliency and my philosophy is like, let's let go of the cliches, right? Bouncing back, you know what? You can't really generally go back because back may have sucked, right? Or back was not the right path or it's no longer available to us. But even the you know, people will say, well, just let it go and ignore it. And what I find there is then all we're really doing is deflecting and burying, and then eventually it's going to rear its ugly head. So I love what you're saying here is it's like, yes, get it, speak into it, own it and move forward. Like, where do you think you learned that? Or is that just natural for you? Hmm, Where did I learn that? Well, I've had a beautiful, complicated, intricate, uh, intricate life. I have always been, in general, my, I would say my set point. So we, we have set points in life that we're constantly stretching. So my set point is a lone wolf. I wasn't an only child, but I was kind of a single child because my brother was uh, seven, eight years older than me. So he was, by the time I was 10, he was already in college. And I backpacked around the world by myself. Even the fact of me being a, a single mother, there's this part of me that I can lone wolf it. I could do it. I got this. And that's one of my lessons in life is I get to be connected. So that's my stretch, reaching out to people, uh, sharing my sharing my fears and my thoughts with people, reaching out. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting exercise. And so, you know, being that lone wolf and saying, okay, I can do things. The fact that I have my business by myself. I mean, this, this has been the year of partnerships where I've been partnering with people in my business. And that's a, that's a beautiful stretch. Life seems easy when you're doing it alone. It does because it's like, you don't have to handle other personalities. Uh, There's intimacy issues. Definitely. Intimacy has definitely been something that I have stretched into, leaned into using Sheryl Sandberg's term, leaned into intimacy. And so I know that's been, that's been a beautiful stretch for me. And so knowing that the things that I maybe run away from are the things I get to run towards. So that's it. So like, you know, something I'm a big fan of transformational work. My, I would say my best learner weekend program is definitely transformational because people are definitely hitting up some against some stuff during the weekend. Uh, Feelings of worthiness. I'm not good enough. Will people read my book? What have you? So it's a very experiential workshop with a, and products because I love results. It's something that I'm Uh, fascinated by results in a quick amount of time. And I have done work. I have done transformational work. I have done leadership work in terms of knowing that uh, my whole self, like one of my, one of my mantras, one of my, I am declarations is I am a joyful, connected and compassionate woman. I get to say that before I get into a conversation with someone. I get to say that before I jump on a phone call. I get to say that when I'm operating in the world, that 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 supports me in being my bring my whole self whole self to the world and so we get to have support through trainings through coaches through others to be our best self whatever whatever that that looks like so i in my recent book i get to it's called i get to how using the right words can radically transform your life relationships and business that's one of the concepts is the affirmation is the i am declaration using these type of prompts to create your best life, to turn conversation, communication into transformational results. Wow. Okay. So when you were saying, there's so much in here. I know we only have like a half an hour for our chit chat, but I probably like 10 hours worth of conversation. The 
I am a joyful, connected, and passionate woman. So that is a phrase that you like use every morning. Do you have multiple phrases? I am phrases like foundational. I do. And I'm a joyful, connected, and compassionate woman comes from days that I, w- I was angry disconnected and definitely not compassionate. So. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Funny, I changed the word to passionate as opposed to compassionate, but I understand the compassionate part should be in there. So yes. <laughs> that's okay. And so did you kind of trick your mind? Because there's a bit of controversy and the controversy is maybe not the right word, but the decision, like if you say it, you can believe it, or do you need to believe it before you can say it? How do you, right? Because you're saying you started saying that when you were not compassionate and when you were angry and you weren't joyful and you were lone wolfing it. So did you, do you believe that by stating it and claiming it, that actually created you into it? There's three essential responses when it comes to this type of work. So when we're operating in the world, there is the reactionary response. So it's the automatic response. For example, if you know your mom picks up the phone and starts, starts nagging, about XYZ, you go into a, a, an automatic response, whether it's to be angry or it's to, to, to yell back at her or what have you. And I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mom got to go. That, that's my exactly. answer. That's my reactive. That's your reaction. That's yeah. that, that has been trained in you for years to when your mom opens her mouth and says XYZ, you are either going to deflect, you're going to get angry. Like you could even, like the anger comes out of you just as she opens her mouth. It's almost, it's, it, it's almost, it's, it's a reaction. It is, it's automatic. It's like our, our amygdala is just like trained, fight, flight, or freeze. How are we going to respond to this? And then there's the intellectual response where we know that that doesn't work. And we know that we can be loving. So I'm going to be loving and connected with my mom. I'm going to listen to her out and I'm going to respond. So it's like in our, in our, like all of our synapses and in our, on a cellular level, we're like, oh, we just want to scream or we just want to hang, hang up the phone. But we intellectually, so it's the number two response intellectually will say, okay, I'm going to intellectually connect with my mom and, and respond to her in a way uh, that doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel that's our, authentic response. And then number three is our integrated response. So the integration is we, it's on a cellular level. Like we, we work and, and I can use my mom as an example where I've done a lot of work around this. And I know when she starts, there's a couple of trigger points that she'll talk to me about. Uh, the other one is settling down. Alicia, when, when are you going to settle down? <laughs> And, and, and I'm like, I'm 42 years old. And, and, you know, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? And it's, it's like, okay, I can respond automatically where I'm completely from my amygdala critter brain, or I can be intellectual and almost just say, this is what I'm doing, mom. I love you. Thank you so much for the feedback. Or I almost have that tone of voice, or I can be really dropped in, fully integrated and just say, mom, I love you so much. And your opinion means so much to me. And I know you feel this way. This is something you've been sharing my whole life. And this is how I operate it, how I operate. And, and settling down for me is, is this. And I just love you. And I listen to what you say. And can you support me moving forward uh, that maybe we can avoid these conversations or, or you know that that is a touchy spot for me. And, and, and so you're really in love. You're really connected. Uh, you, you, are, you are feeling it. You're feeling emotion. And, 
and it's and it's when you drop in. It's it's when you drop in. So those I I, I share those three responses in my book. I did that chapter in collaboration with a, a good friend of mine, um, Marla Madison, who is a relationship coach and and very very tuned in in terms of uh, neuroscience and the brain and relationships and communication. And and so those are the three responses. And, you know, another way to, to give the example, the example I give in the book is you go to a 20, 20th high school, school reunion and someone runs up to you and you're looking great. You're looking awesome. You've been working out at the gym. You feel, you feel like you look 16 years old and someone comes up to you, a friend from high school is like, oh my goodness, Allison, you look amazing. You look hot. You look like you're in high school still. And our automatic response is, oh my God, you look amazing too. Now, maybe they do look amazing or maybe not. Like maybe, maybe they don't look that great. Maybe they look a little tired or, or uh, you know, they haven't been working on, they put on 50 pounds. So why do we automatically go to that response? A couple of reasons. One is it feels uncomfortable in the moment. We feel that communication, that intimacy feels uncomfortable to be receiving a compliment. So we automatically want to throw it back at them, even if it's not integrity, even if it's not what we believe, we could be like lying through our teeth. If you say someone looks great and they, they don't, or they don't look their best at that point, uh, you know, why do we automatically respond? So that's our automatic response. And our intellectual response would be, okay, well, God, this feels really uncomfortable. They just, they just gave me all these compliments, but I don't feel like giving them a compliment back, or maybe I can tell them that their hair looks great or what have you. So we're in this kind of intellectual. And then the integrative response is, thank you. I received that. Or thank you so much. Just receiving it. We don't have to automatically say something back. And it feels really intuitive, like counterintuitive. It feels like scary and uncomfortable not to, when someone gives us a compliment, not to say, just receive it and just say, thank you. And, and so that's an interesting way. We can use the same example for abundance is, is, you know, when someone says, hey, this will be, this coaching program's a thousand bucks. And then we're on automatic fight or flight. Oh my God, I don't have any money. I got bills. Like you're in this critter brain. I'm not going to survive. You're in this small small constricted self and then intellectual and intellectually you'll be like well you know i've invested a thousand dollars before my business i always get it back and you you know so you're in that you're in your brain you're in your brain and you know i could give the thousand dollars uh let me see i can check out some other testimonials has it helped other people so you're in your intellectual and number three is when you're fully feeling in a place of abundance when you feel safe you're like you just write the check you know, it's going to, you know, it's going to, you write the check and, and you, I've done this in terms of charity work. Cause believe me, the thing about these three, these three processes or these three essential responses is we vacillate as humans, even where, if we're enlightened and, and in a, an abundant state, we vacillate between them on a, on a minute by minute basis, on a moment by moment basis. So, so be kind to yourself. Yeah, we, we do. And you know what I'm thinking too, is it's not just about figuring out how you react, right? And how you can really step into and recognizing your three essential responses, but also having an understanding of other people's intent when they react to you. So they may not be aware of this and they may be going through that amygdala hijacking and you're sitting there feeling offended when in actual fact, it's like, let's just let them be them and not own and take on the receiving end of these responses, especially the negative one. 
Oh yeah. So that's where breath work and meditation comes in. That's taking a pause. If so, if you see someone who's totally come like in a amygdala hijack and you can see it just energetically. Oh, you can. Yes, you can. You can see them walking down the street, people, a couple is fighting, you know, someone is, you know, I, and it happened to me the other day. I was livid the other day where I gave my daughter my credit card. I said, go in there and get us some food. And I was, I had a call in 15 minutes. So we, and I, I couldn't find a parking space. So I'm like, just go get me some food. Then I ended up finding a parking place, parking place. I had about seven more minutes to my call. I come in to help her bring the food out and she just bought food for herself. <laughs> and I just, and I didn't eat. I was, I also had a lack of sugar. Like I was like, oh my goodness. And I stormed out of the place. I walked into another place. I'm like, I've got to buy myself some food. Like I was in total, total critter brain that, even though I probably ate two hours before that, that, you know, I was a victim. I was in, you know, I have this call. So I was fully in stress mode. And my daughter was like, you are looking crazy mom right now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally, totally triggered right now. <laughs> and next time get food for both of us, darling. Exactly. I'm like, no, that's my credit card. And you just bought food for yourself. Okay. I see how this is. So I, I, I had to sit down really uh, ground in, breathe. And then the call ended up being canceled by the person like two minutes before. And I was like, wow, that was all just a crazy reaction. So we have these moments, we're human. It's about managing. We're always in management mode. Right. And that's the whole concept of being a resiliency ninja, right? Like we're whacking down problems one by one by one in the background and we have to still show up for your client or whoever the call was for with a smile on your face. And so I wonder if them like they're, you know, depending on how much people believe in sort of the energetic transference and, you know, how the universe is there to support us. It's almost like you weren't ready for the call because you were in this amygdala hijacking. And so it ended up getting canceled. Which was interesting. Yes, it was. It's funny how things ha happen like that. It and, is. And the words we use, so so not only breath work and meditation and grounding uh, is important, but the words we use can also support us in grounding. And that's what I share in my book. That even saying a affirmation, even the words we use in terms of saying instead of saying I'm trying, I'll I'll try to make that appointment. I'll try to pick you up at three p.m saying I'm committed to. So really coming from a place of declaration that the words we use create the life that we want. So what you say, you create, period. It's so true. And I think people don't necessarily realize it at the depth, right? Like they just kind of go about their lives and self-awareness. They don't even know what they're saying to themselves. Yes. So our self-talk is really important to keep that in check and to manage it. And then, and, and in terms of the words we use, so they can be at first an intellectual, like for example, the name of my book is I get to, so I get to versus I have to. So we, I have to pick the kids up from school. I have to go to work. I, I have to do X, Y, Z. Just simply using that reframe of changing. I have to, to, I get to is such a simple way to really start integration in terms of your life, getting into that integrative state, that gratitude state. I, I get to go to work because some people can't or don't have a job. Right. Or I get I to love one. Yeah. I, I get to go to the gym. Just like I saw that the, the woman who I follow on Instagram, she, she's been going through chemo and radiation for six plus months now. She has not gone to the gym 
and we can see it as dread or or a uh, you know something that we don't want to do and and she's seeing it like I would just love to go to the gym so seeing that our get tos are it's such a it's a, such a beautiful reframe it doesn't take a lot of effort and then it starts sounding forced like I get to I get to go to work it's like uh it's, it's in the intellectuals we're using it then it becomes this fully integrated thing by by muscle memory by constantly using it over and over and then really sitting into it and being like wow i'm so grateful for this job i'm so you know with when you're when you're feeling burnt out on your business i get to and you talk about all the amazing things i get to work from anywhere in the world i get to talk to amazing people like allison I get to uh, you know, work uh, in the middle of the night if I want to. If I, you know, if I have a creative burst of energy, I get to. I get to. I get to. So that using that. So what what you said a few minutes ago is is first it might feel forced or we're we're totally in our brain, and then it becomes an integration process through the gratitude and through through muscle memory and constantly repeating it. Right, and it's interesting. A, a friend of mine who has been working for three years on her business. And she had a th- intention. I'm going to give it two years. And if I don't make it in two years, I'm going to quit and go back to the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And in the last month of the two years, her business started booming. And she's like, Oh my God, it worked. And I'm laughing as you're saying about how, you know, our words manifest what we create. Right. And a couple of days ago I was talking with her and she's like, oh my gosh, I've got so much to do. I'm so busy and I've got all these new clients and I've got to onboard and I don't have time to onboard. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're basically sending out the message now that thanks for all the business and I can't handle it. And Mm -hmm. I I really, I think after talking with you, I'm going to get her a copy of your book because it's the whole, I get to how using the right words can radically transform your life, relationships, and business. Because I think that it's so crystal clear to me hearing it. And I mean, we, her and I have talked about this already because I called her out on it and that's why we need really good people around us to do so. But I think that your book is really going to sum that up and drive home the point so that it's like, no, it's not a burden. Wow. You have all these incredible people who are coming to you for help. And now you get to embrace that. Love that. And, and you used something that's in my book that I'd love to uh, bring forth. And it's the concept of calling people out versus calling people forth. Mm. And, and, and so I call you forth, my friend, to see the, the, the beauty uh, and the gratitude in your business. I call you forth that this is exactly what you wanted. And, and so when we, and, and I, I use it as an example, it's beautiful because we, we do say, you know, hey, I'm going to call you out on, on this. You, you said that. And, and just to sh- simply say, instead of calling someone out, calling them forth, that we are taking a stand for them. I just put it on a post-it note. I love post-it notes to remind me of things because it's true, right? And you're doing it from a place of love and service and caring and wanting to help them. And calling out is sort of like calling somebody on their bullshit, right? Like sort of <laughs> saying like, like almost giving them heck, right? Yeah, or shaming. To, it, could be, it could be a shaming thing. Right, you know, people, yeah. People calling people out on, we see it on Facebook where people have these weird interactions on Facebook that, would definitely be best offline. <laughs> and, and when you call people out, it's almost this sense of shame or I'm better than you, me against you. 
when you call someone forth, it's like, this is a we conversation. I want to support you. I want to take a stand for you. Absolutely. Now, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I don't want to forget to chat with you about all your media experience because you have been featured on some of the the creme de la creme of shows. And I wonder, first of all, what was that like? Like, was that a buildup where you eventually got on the national shows? Was it a uh, an instantaneous thing? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Like, let's unpack that. And then um, I'm curious if there were any times when things didn't go right with the media? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. The, I, um, so something I teach in Best Learn a Weekend, a big, I do a lot of marketing stuff and supporting my clients using their book to get on TV. And, and I've had, my clients have had some great success with that. And in terms of my own success, I wrote a book 11 years ago, and the title of my book is Goal Digger, G-O-A-L, Digger, Lessons Learned from the Rich Men I Dated. And it was a, it was a, you know, it was a, a late 20s, early 30s when I launched that book. And it was a, it, it's, it's so funny, actually, in terms, now that I think about it, that I have 40 intentional communication scripts in I Get To, and I use actually some of the same concepts that I used back then in my book. It's, it's just, it's their mindset books. And it's, it was just named differently. That was geared towards women, kind of tongue in cheek, sex in the city. And, and this one's a leadership book. And at the end of the day, it's the same concepts inside. I mean, it's not <laughs> the same book, obviously. But I mean, you know, what you say you create, for example, and, and how what I found, you know, wealthy men, successful men, did. They had visualization boards, they had bucket lists, they had to-do lists, they, they uh, worked, instead of working hard, they worked smart. So a lot, of, a lot of mindset and language tools. And I have been on the media. And one of the, I would say, a media booking that went wrong, or perhaps right, was when I was on Oprah and Friends Radio, which is, you know, when everyone wants to be on Oprah. So oh to, my, gosh. my first yes. interview being on Oprah and Friends, now that was like a radio, I don't even think it's around anymore, but it was a kind of a radio uh, uh, type of um, community with uh, different uh, Oprah experts. And one was Jean Chatsky, who's the financial correspondent for the Today Show, et cetera. And she interviewed me on my book, Gold Digger. And right when I walked into the room, I knew the energy was not, I would say, didn't work. And it, that I felt this, uh, I felt instead of a calling forth or a support from another woman, I felt that this was going to be a calling out, which it was. So I was talking about the book and she said, why did you, why did you write the book? Uh, are you a millionaire? And, and then the last question she asked me was, did any of these men give you money? And for me, I am very, wear my heart on my sleeve. I, 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 I just speak and I share and I didn't have media training. And I told her the truth. I said, yes, because one of my boyfriends did. He, he, we were together for a year and he wanted me to travel with him. So, and I, you know, so I said the truth and she used it as a way to throw me under the bus. And I, when I go back to that moment, it was a time where my, I could say that she dimmed my light, but guess what? Coming from 100% responsibility, I dimmed my own light. And I see that as a, a beautiful experience of, because I stopped promoting my book after that interview. Oh, wow. And because I just said, never again, because she, oh, this is what she said. I, I said, she said the question, 
did any of these men give you money? And I kind of thought, and I said, first thing that came to mind, which is the truth, yes. Obviously, I didn't have a soundbite ready to explain why, because you can't like sit there and explain, oh, I, you know, dated, I've dated a guy for a year and he wanted me to travel with him and yada, yada, yada. I couldn't explain all that. I, I just said yes. And she said, hmm, you sound like a working girl to me. <gasps> Ouch. So this is what she said. And I got off the, I got off the interview. We ended it. And I just verbally said to myself as I walked out, I go, I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to have my daughter hear that about her mom. And I'm going to stop promoting my book, which I did. And I completely changed directions. That's when I started to, uh, I started women's conferences. And, and then from my women's conference, I had a whole bunch of speakers that were asking me if I could support them, write their book. And that's what I did. So for the last 11 years, I've been helping people write books with me pushing me to the back on my choice. And it wasn't until last year, and I was teaching a bestseller weekend in Las Vegas, where one of the women in the audience, in the group, said, Alicia, I'm glad that woman said that to you. And I said, I said, why? And she said, because you wouldn't be here helping us share our stories with the world. Mm. So it was a complete reframe that that redirection, I've supported thousands of people to share their stories. And, and so, and also this concept of that no one can dim your light. You dim your own light. Okay. Because I agree. Like, you know, our path is our path, right? Like just for those who know my story, I mean, if I had never had the surgery, I never would have uh, had my mom come with me with me. I never would have had Winston. I never would have, you know, ended up in the space that I'm in now with, you know, helping people with resiliency. So I actually am at a place when I thank the surgeon who botched the surgery that caused the pain, right? So, and I also think, but would I have ended up there anyway? Mm -hmm. Would my path have been less painful physically, emotionally, mentally? And I still would have ended up as a motivational, you know, speaker, business coach, et cetera. So it's, it's an interesting thing to consider because what was your path anyhow, inspiring thousands and thousands of people to tell their story? And was there a gem that was lost in that book at the same time where Gold Digger could have had even more legs? We will never know. I know we won't. Will we? <laughs> we will never know. That's Gold the coin <laughs> flip. Became its own movement. I I wrote that book in you know 2007. I launched it, and it's a it's a hashtag. There's plenty of young women who use it as a inspirational and motivational hashtag. I I will never know. And and this is this is the direction and honoring my journey and honoring the different decisions I've made in life. And it's made me where, where I am today. 100%. And, and so um, regret doesn't do any, anything for us. Thinking about the past doesn't, doesn't do anything. It's just starting with what we have, the gifts that we have today, and moving, moving forward. That's resiliency. That's it. Awesome. Okay. Well, loved chatting with you. Thank you so much. I, I do want to just direct listeners to bestsellerinaweekend.com in case you are looking to write a book and you want to do it in a way that is actually going to create some value for you in your career. Because a lot of people, Alicia, you would probably agree, write books and they don't do anything with them. 
Yes, you got to use your book and use it as a way to build your platform, your brand, and your business. And that's what I teach during Best Summer of the Weekend. Awesome. And where else can people reach you online, follow you, say hi, et cetera? Absolutely. At Alicia Dunham's on Instagram and Alicia Dunham's on LinkedIn and aliciadunham's.com. Okay. Awesome. Wonderful. And you can find this show as well as all the other shows for Resiliency Ninja podcast with me, your host, Allison Graham at r-ninja.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, anything you can do to help share the word and get this out there as we uncover the stories of stress, obstacles, and adversity behind the success story. So thank you, Alicia, for being here. And thanks for listening. If you are listening now and I I look forward to having you back listening in the next episode of Resiliency Ninja. Thank you for tuning in to Resiliency Ninja with Allison Graham. We are thrilled to have you as part of our community. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always connect with Allison at r-ninja.com and find important links to show notes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, embrace whatever obstacles come your way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.